Tech Conversation. Tech Conversation on Metro FM Talk. We now go into our Tech Conversations and uh, this evening... Uh, many of you, I guess, this afternoon would have heard uh, some of the remarks being made by uh, the Minister of Trade and Industry, uh, Dr. Ibrahim e- uh, Patel. And, uh, you know, uh, some of the uh, suggestions that he was, uh, uh, you know, uh, making and the observations from an investment perspective uh, that he was speaking about. And uh, uh, I guess, you know, if you think about uh, the lull that uh, the construction sector finds itself in, uh, with the orders drying up, uh, notwithstanding the commitment that many of us have made uh, to infrastructure development, it comes as welcome news uh, that a different kind of construction is happening, uh, least of all uh, in the eastern parts of the Joburg City region, in Cape Town and in Durban. And uh, that uh, is the construction of data centers. Now, uh, building or housing data centers in South Africa is a big question. Uh, you know, uh, what does it mean for us uh, as we uh, wade into the fourth industrial revolution that we find ourselves in? And more importantly, what's uh, attracting companies like Terraco uh, to make some massive investments, uh, uh, build to the tune of 7.3 billion rand already uh, in data centers? And uh, what does all of this mean for you and I's computing experience? Dr. Bukosi joins me now on the line. Doc, good evening to you and welcome to Metro FM Talk. Uh, evening, Ayanda. And to the yeah, no, thank you very much for taking time out to speak to us. Doc, uh, yeah. I want us maybe to start here. I think for some of us who might not be familiar uh, with what a data center is uh, and uh, more importantly, the function that it plays uh, in our telecommunications and computing experiences. Let's maybe start off there. Um, yeah. So if you think about uh, kind of modern, uh, modern computing, uh, less and less of it is you actually having a physical device that has a lot of uh, storage and a lot of computing power. More and more, uh, what you're using, whether it's your phone or your laptop or your desktop, is you're interacting with um, with software that actually connects in the back end to some internet service. Uh, that then it that crunches the numbers, transfers data, and all of those things. So as we become more and more connected, as we use, like you know, a simple example for most of the public is using kind of digital entertainment services, all of these things have to be stored somewhere. So if you're streaming video or you're streaming music, where do you actually put all of uh, all of that information? It's not on your phone, it's not on your laptop, it's not on your desktop. So uh, South Africa, as it keeps on growing in this space, then it means that you need the storage to be easily accessible. And it's not necessarily each and every company that's going to build up its own storage or computing facilities. They now actually go to third parties and then procure those services. Yeah. I mean, Doc, just talk to us about uh, uh, these data centers now as a physical entity. I mean, you know, how large are they? I certainly saw, uh, you know, the, uh, some construction happening in the eastern part of Joburg there in Isando, and uh, certainly it looks like a, a, a significant enough uh, construction operation. And I asked this question to get a sense of how many people, you know, a normal data center would employ and, uh, you know, what other spillovers it might have to other industry. Uh, for me, that's a, for me, that's a very tough one to really quantify. Mm. Uh, the data centers, in terms of physically, uh, you can think about warehouse, warehouse sizes, and you can have multiple uh, warehouses uh, putting in all these computing. You need to make sure there's uh, cooling. Uh, you need to have the space. There's also connectivity very fast, and then you also then have to think about the energy um, considerations. So, you, if you if given South Africa, it means that you also have, to have a lot of backup power. Mm. that are available to keep these data centers actually going, even uh, if the power goes in a specific 
kind of area. So probably during construction, there's a lot of activity, uh, but that probably will done a lot uh, in terms of running most of these centers. Uh, afterwards, it's more like very technical skills mm. just to keep them going and having kind of like you want to have 100% uptime in this space so that the, the, the center is always available. Okay, all right. Doc, I want us to pause here for a second. I'm going to take a quick spot break. But when we come back, uh, I want us uh, maybe to try and uh, make sense of uh, this interest that many uh, cloud providers, I mean, I think of uh, Amazon Web Services, the likes of Microsoft, Terraco, and many others. Uh, what is it about South Africa that makes it such an attractive place uh, to come and locate some of these data centers? We continue with uh, Dr. Bukosi Maravate, uh, who is uh, the Chair for Data Sciences at the University of Pretoria. And we're speaking to him about uh, the emergence of data centers here in South Africa, what it means uh, for all of us, and uh, uh, all of this under our Tech Conversation. Tech Conversation. Tech Conversation on Metro FM Talk. It is indeed our Tech Conversations and we bring these to you every Wednesday and today we're taking a look at data centers and uh, more importantly uh, what's uh, uh, all of this uh, you know what construction that's happening uh, we've, we've seen a lot of data centers being built in Durban Cape Town and uh, more uh, notably, uh, I guess, in the eastern part of the Joburg City region. And I'm joined on the line by Dr. Bukosi Maravate, Chair of Data Sciences at the University of uh, Pretoria, to uh, maybe explain to us, uh, uh, Doc, uh, you know, I guess what uh, makes South Africa such an attractive in, um, destination for some of these uh, uh, data centers from a locational perspective, but even, I guess, uh, from the strength of our consumer market. Okay, yeah. So uh, if you think about, like, companies over... Uh, okay, let's say the last two or three decades, uh, there's been a move to using uh, more of these cloud services for even their own internal infrastructure. So before, you would think about having a word processor, it's something that's on your computer to install a software, but more and more, it's becoming this thing that's just, you need a web browser and you're connecting to. So companies are having other parts of services that they're using actually being in that in, 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 the, in the cloud. Even on top of that, things that you people might have seen as critical of saying that this must actually be on the premises of the company. So some of the challenges with having cloud, for example, have been either thinking about other regulatory issues that if now your cloud service is in the U.S. or in Europe, it's not in South Africa, what actually happens? And you might also have restrictions that uh, some of your clients might say, no, they want to make sure that the data stays within, like, you know, the borders of a specific country because then there's laws that then apply on these. So the EU is a very good example of this, where, for example, something like Facebook, Facebook information about Europeans is actually stored in Europe. And that allows then uh, legislators to be able to interact with Facebook in the way that you've seen them over the last uh, two years where they've had, uh, like, you know, lawsuits or in- investigations because that data is within South Africa in this case, doesn't have the same kind of thing because Facebook, you don't have that requirement that Facebook must make sure the South African data is here. Mm. But if you think about it from individual companies, that's what they're doing, that now if you have a local data center that is within the borders of South Africa, so you might be able to actually get contracts that might have that requirement that that data must not leave the country mm. in a way. So, yeah, so that, that is a data one is that, yeah, you also have opportunity as yeah. the tech uh, industry is growing, um, less and less. Again, you don't have servers that are sitting in, a, in an office. You can have people working in a share, in a co-working space, and all of their infrastructure is all cloud-based, and they can scale as they require. They don't need to make very large infrastructure investments up front. Doc, I want us to talk about something that, that you were raising earlier on, and I guess it also 
you know, raises the issue of this uh, question of sovereignty of data, yeah. right? So, yeah. so if the data yeah. center is located here, uh, yeah. it also, I mean, I guess makes it a lot easier. But, but uh, in many instances, there's been a, a big policy debate around how in this day and age where data is, you know, something that you can commodify and really sell and uh, uh, profitably do so, um, and, you know, data being, I guess, what steel was to the 20th century. Uh, the yeah. idea that our own user experiences and the trail of data that is left by those user experiences online uh, is, uh, you know, being packaged, commodified and sold off elsewhere. That certainly raises some equity considerations on the part of South Africa. And more importantly, how do we ensure that we get uh, our fair share of uh, what, in essence, are user experiences of the South African people? Um, yeah, as a data scientist, this is like one of the questions we have to grapple with now, mm. like, you know, every day of like, what, what does this actually mean? So, uh, as, as you did raise, like, uh, is there actually a fair exchange for oh. you give me a service that seems to be free, then I give you my personal data, and then this data gets resold. Um, in South Africa, we have the PIA that is supposed to um, be one of the things that actually you know, guides us in the way why, that why that choice be done. Of, why that choice of word, Doc? It's supposed to. Uh, <laughs> why that choice uh, of we, word? We still are not at the point where the, regular, the information regulator feels like they have teeth. So we have, for example, a lot of data breaches that happen in South Africa, mm. and there never really seems to be that there's a, um, any repercussions for the organizations. I think that bank just had one. Uh, just as, as, as an example, I'm not picking on them. It's just that it's very recent. Mm. I mean, and now you, data. I mean, you know, yeah, then yeah. you have things like, so when you, like on one part, uh, if you were in the part of, hey, in the past you had your own server, you had your whole IT team that kind of was there, you had other issues with security. Uh, of this personal information. But even in the cloud, that doesn't get it removed. It removes some part of uh, you know, maybe opportunistic uh, uh, kind of breaches, but you still have to make sure that the cloud environment is secure and you're using the best practice in security and the best of whatever that cloud service actually is. So if we're now, we have sovereignty, right? So something happens to a company and then the data it, it was within the country and all those things, and there might be other criminal things that can come in and then the regulators also might have a little bit more teeth. Mm-hmm. So if you think about like how the extent of GDPR, which is the European kind of uh, privacy law, yes. what kind of impact it had on the whole uh, industry because then companies had to choose whether they were going to comply with that requirement when they have European data mm-hmm. on that part. And I don't think it was kind of the same thing when Bopia went along where people actually thought about that and said we must make sure uh, we are as ready as we were for GD, uh, GDPR. So as in, in most of what we do, kind of like, you know, as data scientists is that you're, all, you're always building kind of these algorithms or models that are crunching um, data. And now that data, some of it might have to do with people. And uh, I tend to say mm. that a lot of that has to do with people. So you need to make sure you secure it, that you only take the information that you need so this goes back to that equitable thing of like, mm. I don't if I if I don't need your ID number, why am I collecting your ID number? Right. right. As part as part of you signing up for a service, if if it actually has nothing, it then most likely means that you are not being upfront that you're taking my ID and selling it to somebody else mm. or something else. Mm. And surely, I think uh, you know uh, when it comes to 
things like tax and even you know our royalty regimes uh, we really need to keep up and uh, you know uh, keep track of some of these uh, developments and investments that are being made yeah but uh, i guess maybe my last question uh, doc before we let you go has a lot to do with the point that that you just made that you know it seems there's people who are playing this game of regulatory arbitrage where you know if the if the uh, uh, regulations are lax or if the regulators you know uh, caught napping in a certain kind of environment uh, a lot of that then, you know, uh, determines where they choose to invest. You know, if you were sitting as the information regulator at this point in time, uh, just in relation to some of the comments that you were making earlier on, how do we make sure that we close that loop? How do we make sure that we close that circle so that an investment like a data center doesn't also come, I guess, with the unintended consequence of uh, unfair uh, commodification of our user experiences? Um, yeah, I, I think it mostly comes to being clear and allowing proper communication between the regulator organizations and, um, yeah, and, and, and government. Uh, because if we have clarity on, okay, here, here's where the lines are, and also here's how people can, you know, can be assisted to stay within there. And you also need the public on one part to actually, um, what is it, uh, actually be aware of what's going on. So if, if uh, for example, uh, a week and a half ago, I go into a car dealership and I'm very just interested in, hey, how much does X cost? And then a salesperson then says, hey, I need your ID number before I can give you a quotation. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and then you are like, you know, it's, and, and, and it's, when you say no, which I tend to do, uh, then the person on the other side gets shocked. I'm like, no, I, 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 I need that data is required by the system. Like, you know, the proverbial system wants that data. You're like, no, that data is not something that I think is an equitable exchange mm. for the information you're going to give me. And as such, I will not give you that information. And I'm also putting myself at risk because you're probably storing that data somewhere. Mm. And I don't know what actually happens mm. to that data. So yeah. if, if we had a very, like, you know, very good information regulator, this would be a normal conversation that sure, South Africans sure. can have and say, like, no, these are the lines and you can't do that. Okay. I certainly hope we can catch up with the information regulator uh, in the uh, uh, next few weeks or so. But Dr. Bukosi Maravate, thank you very much for your time. Really yeah. appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Awesome stuff. That there was uh, the uh, chair for data sciences at the University of Pretoria for our tech conversations. Mm. Bussy, guess who? Yep, it's your bank balance. Bundles of joy, back at school. You did the rent. Electricity. And the phone bill. Skawara! Keep living that best life with KFC's all-in-one meal. That's six pieces and five sides. Still for $99.90. KFC, it's finger-licking good.